Welcome into a brand new episode of Cinema Ticket. I am your host, Zach Leslie, and today is a very special day and a very special episode. Today, I'm going to rank the Star Wars movies with Mike Carpenter, who's been on the show before. We did talked about 2001 a Space Odyssey, and we're big Star Wars guys and kind of looking for a change in formula here as the weeks go on. And we thought talking about Star Wars would be a really cool way uh, to do that. So, Mike, how are you, man? Good, man. I, I'm glad to be back for another discussion about a science fiction i guess yes. in this case series but very vastly different from 2001 but different. at the end of the day i think and you might be the same here there's a lot of nostalgia that's mm-hmm. tied up with star wars and what i try to do when going through these movies is not rely so much on that and try to be as objective about the original trilogy but as we'll find out there's certain elements of my list that are, are scratch and uh, certain others that I guess would be a surprise. So I'm anxious to see what you uh, ordered all these movies as well. Yeah, our our lists are similar and different. We're similar in some spots and different in others. We've both made our own separate lists, and we'll have kind of an aggregate uh, list towards the end of both of our lists combined and what that looks like. Um, But we're going to talk about these movies. Um, We're going to like some movies that you listening probably hate. We're going to hate some movies that you probably like. And hopefully love some movies you love along the way. So Star Wars uh, fandom and conversation and discourse has been kind of toxic over the years, over the last few years, I feel like. Uh, So I'm excited to just have a cool conversation about these movies. And, and kind of go through it that way. So You mentioned that toxic nature, and especially after The Last Jedi, it, it got very toxic, and to the point where the expectations were rock bottom yeah. for Rise of Skywalker, and I'm excited to get to that with those two movies in particular. But I think as time has went on, and, and The Mandalorian comes out, and, and it looks like the Star mm-hmm. Wars universe is in good hands, that maybe that emotion is a little less than it was, yeah. a little less raw than it was after Last Jedi mm-hmm. came out in those two years. So I, I love reflecting on these. I did the full rewatch before going to see Rise of Skywalker. And uh, in reflecting on it, I think for the most part, I captured how I feel about these 11 movies because we are including Solo and Rogue One. Yep, yep. I, I think it'll be a good discussion. Um, there, I think some people will be surprised about where we put some of the newer Disney movies. And hopefully maybe you agree with us too. But uh we're just going to have fun with it and we're just going to get right to it. So what is your least favorite Star Wars movie at number 11? This one I did not have to labor over. And to give you some context, I was in sixth grade when this came out and the expectations were through the roof. And when I went to school on Friday after my math teacher, Mr. Bechtel, went to the midnight showing of The Phantom Menace, I could tell from the way he spoke about it that something wasn't right. Mm. And for a movie that George Lucas said was for kids, well, I was 11, 12 years old. I hated it then. I hate it now. I think it is a a very good-looking movie. I think the cast uh, does what they can with a very weak script. It has more of a Star Wars flavor than Attack of the Clones, which I think we'll discuss soon. Uh, But for me, upon rewatch, it is as dull and boring and to me, that's the biggest crime of any Star Wars movie can have is being boring. Yeah. And, and The Phantom Menace, all these years later, has not aged well for me. And that is how I am starting my list at the very bottom. Three out of ten. I'll give it three because of the cinematography and how it looks. Phantom Menace. I don't 
wholeheartedly disagree with you. I, I don't have Phantom Menace in last place. Um, I have Attack of the Clones in last place. And Understandable. The reason for this is I think some of the same reasons people hate The Last Jedi, to be honest, is there is character assassination in this movie to a level that for me is unforgivable. And it's the moment which I liked as a kid, thought was cool as a kid. And as I've grown up with it, I really don't like it. And it's when Yoda pulls out a lightsaber. <laughs> I really, really hate it. Really? And that was one of the, and you're right, the impact of seeing it the first time, it was a lot of excitement in the theater. Yes. Over time, has it aged well? Nah, it hasn't. But, uh, you know, it's spectacle. There's just something about Yoda commanding battleships and flipping around and doing cool moves with a lightsaber that just doesn't sit right with me. I get that. And, and kind of is everything that, you know, he isn't in Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I get that he learned some things probably from the prequels that he took with him uh, when he went into exile. But uh, I really do not like Yoda and Attack of the Clones. Outside of that, um, it has the same problems all the other prequels do. Uh, horrible dialogue, probably at its most extreme here. Yes, absolutely. Um, the worst dialogue of any Star Wars movie. The romance is horrible. Um, there's not much I could, I like the Obi-Wan Django stuff. I think that's pretty cool. I like Obi-Wan in this movie in general. Um, there's a YouTuber, uh, Cosmonaut Variety Hour, and he talks about the prequels and Attack of the Clones and the assassination on Padme attempt and like how no one wants to assassinate Padme. They go through all these lengths <laughs> to hire other people to do it for them. And it's just, and, and Obi-Wan jumps out the window for some reason. It feels like something Anakin would do, but Obi-Wan does it. Um, there's just a lot in Attack of the Clones that I'm not a huge fan of. I watched it a ton as a kid. I sped like sped forward to the end to watch all the Jedis whip out their lightsabers. And it's cool to see that many Jedi in one place towards the end. Um, but it doesn't really do anything for me emotionally. But it's one I watched a lot as a kid. So we have a tie already, right? We There are 11 and 10 spots. We have the same two movies, but in mm-hmm. opposite order. Yeah. I will acquiesce here, and I'll give you a reason why. Because The Phantom Menace, I said that the biggest crime in my mind for a Star Wars movie is being boring. And it, mm-hmm. it certainly checks that box. However, objectively, Attack of the Clones, even though I enjoy it far more, is a mess. And it's the dialogue. It's, you know, the prequels in general are over plotted. And finally, when they get to Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith, it just kind of eases into the original trilogy, part of that that film's success. But I will acquiesce here. I think we should probably have Attack of the Clones at the very bottom, just for the muddled mess it is. For me, I just happen to enjoy. It's fun bad. Whereas Phantom Menace is just good enough that you take it seriously, but you never really get into it. Yeah, I, I, I agree there, and I think you know we can make that make that decision. I, I don't want to say too much else about Phantom Menace because I think you touched on a lot of the things I have issues with. Um, but a couple of things I like is John Williams' score is really good in Phantom Absolutely, Menace. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, obviously the last lightsaber fight's really cool. I wish there was more emotional weight behind it. Um, there's not a ton of character development going into. I don't really know anything about Qui Gon. I don't really know anything about Obi Wan. Right. And so there, it doesn't really feel like there's anything there. Um, I will say I'm going to make a Jar Jar defense here. He's okay. horrible, completely horrible. But he's the only thing in this movie that is not like at a monotone level. Like Absolutely. At, he, yeah. Jar Jar takes it. The energy comes up a level. Um, you know, if you're feeling really bored, Jar Jar might wake you up a little bit. Um, he's the only thing in this movie that is not like, someone talking in the most monotone voice possible. So at that level, 
I can say Jar Jar at least brought some energy to the movie, even though I think he's a pretty bad character. Yeah, the Jar Jar backlash was understandable. I was young enough to not really care one way or the other. But again, he was marketed towards kids, and I didn't really yeah. find him particularly funny. But that, that really is it. So The Phantom Menace looks better, better score. It does retain some of the Star Wars aura. Mm. Attack of the Clones goes full CGI. It is spectacle, but it's a uh, rather empty spectacle. And you really hit it on with that uh, lightsaber fight, which people love and understandably because it looks great and the music behind it. Uh, Duel of the Fates is fantastic, yeah. but the emotional weight or lack thereof. I love Liam Neeson as an actor. Mm-hmm. I like Qui-Gon, but in two hours leading up to that, I didn't gain this a, a, you know, attachment to him where that fight meant much of anything to me. So I, I think you really hit something there why that, that saber fight looks cool but doesn't, doesn't scratch that itch. All right, so moving into uh, the next spot, which I guess is the number nine spot, uh, we, we have a lot going on here. So we have a three-way tie for this place between Solo, Rogue One, and Revenge of the Sith. So how, are we, how do we solve this problem? I will make an argument at number nine for Solo. I find it to be very disposable. Okay. I've only seen it once, though, and that is, that is I guess, kind of a uh, disclaimer because maybe sure. upon repeated viewings, if I wanted to revisit it, I would enjoy it more. I enjoyed it fine. It looked good. Ron Howard is a capable director that came in to kind of fix the mess that they had with, I think they had co-directors or something. Before. Yeah, they had uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did, who've done like Spider-Verse and Clyde with yeah. the Chance of Meatballs and... A lot of a lot of comedic meta fourth wall breaking like type of stuff. And it seems like that might have fit better. But Ron yeah. Howard, you know, it was a bad situation and they made a serviceable movie out of it. I think we all felt Star Wars fatigue at that yeah. point because we just had Last Jedi five months before. And I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy was banking on the backlash against that movie, which we'll get to we'll get into that one plenty later. Mm-hmm. But uh, for solo, I'm going uh, with it, I'm giving it a four out of 10, putting it in my nine spot because of its disposable nature that I didn't learn a whole lot more about the character of Han Solo. It did not further my understanding of him. And even for one of the worst reveals in Star Wars history, when you find out why he's named Solo. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, it's a one-off liner. And I remember thinking, that's it. And then worst of all, back to the Duel of the Fates lightsaber fight. Yeah. They throw in a hologram, spoiler alert, yeah, of, of Darth Maul. Spoilers. Yeah, of Darth Maul as if the theater was going to go, what? And not a single person in my theater emoted at all. No one cared. Yeah. So I'm giving it a four out of 10. It's firmly in the nine spot for it. Okay, so have you watched any of the animated series or so Rebels, Clone Wars, all that sort of stuff? I have not, but I've heard they're worth watching. Yeah, so I'll talk about Solo a little bit more in a minute. It's not, I'm not going to make the case for it to be number nine. I have it somewhere else. Um, But that reveal is a lot cooler if you've watched the Clone Wars and the Rebels stuff. Because the Darth Maul stuff in those shows is amazing. However, it makes no sense for it to be in this movie. No sense. Uh, I would have brought him back to live action in a bit of a different way than just like, hey, he's alive. If you haven't seen the shows, this makes no sense to you. Um, But it was a cool reveal for me as someone who's seen everything. But most of my theater was just really confused. (laughs) He's dead. What's this going on here? Right. Yes. So for me, number nine is Revenge of the Sith. And the reason I have it here is is kind of like I just want all the prequels together because I kind of view them the same. 
even though Revenge of the Sith is the best one. Um, this has a lot of the same issues for me as the, as Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. Uh, still, the bad dialogue is there. The CG is definitely better here. Um, the opening 15 minutes of this movie are really awesome. I love the opening 15 minutes. Obi-Wan and Anakin are flying through. They got to save the Chancellor, and they have a much better lightsaber fight with Count Dooku than in the previous movie. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff in the opening 15 minutes or so. And then it like grinds to a screeching halt as soon as they land there um, after saving the chancellor. You find out that Padme is pregnant, all this stuff. It's a lot of the same, like walking around green screen sets with weird, bad dialogue exposition. Mm -hmm. And then it picks up again and we get some cool lightsaber stuff. Um, I personally, this might be a hot take, I guess. I, I don't think the Anakin Obi-Wan fight is as good as people make it out to be. Hmm. I think it's really good for about a minute and a half. And then the last five minutes is kind of just like they're jumping off like jungle gyms in the lava and like kind of gets out of control. Yeah. Um, it's a little video gamey. Yeah. And it's choreographed still in a way that at the beginning, I really liked it when it felt like the same choreographed kind of deal, but there was a little more intensity and passion into it. Um, and then it just kind of went absurd and whatever. And I really don't like the Yoda Palpatine fight either. Um, I think it's kind of a waste of time, to be honest. Uh, every time they're fighting, I'm like, I wish we just get back to Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, but John Williams' score is great. There's a lot of great things in here. I like that I can actually tell you what the movie's about, unlike the previous two prequels. Um, it's a pretty straightforward plot. Um, but overall, for me, this is not one that... I love as much as most people do, I think. I think this is one that's garnered a lot more respect over time. But for me, this it's still not very good for me. But Interesting. So I, I think that's fair because, you know, before I would have rewatched this in December, I remember thinking, okay, I, I certainly as a kid liked that movie a lot more. Mm -hmm. I think I probably saw it before Force Awakens came out, did the whole rewatch before that, just like I did before Rise of Skywalker. And yep. it holds up remarkably, remarkably well for Way me. Way better than the others. And that's why I, I have a way up. I mean, it's not coming for me for another <clears throat> three spots. Now, I do have some concerns about my placement because I think a lot of it is that it finally ties back into the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And that was what was going to make that third movie the easiest landing for George Lucas. Like, I mean, he had it basically the end written out for him. And uh, yeah, I, I, upon rewatch in December, I was very impressed. And I know the dialogue is not great, but it's much better. I think yes. that you're right that after the opening segment, it does grind to a halt, but I would say the last hour and 15 hour, 30 minutes of that movie, uh, they pack a lot in and there's emotional weight to it. Even if not everything lands, enough of it lands where you feel that sense of dread, that ominous feeling. And it's almost like a completely different director made it. It's like yeah. George Lucas handed the reins over to uh, Lawrence Kasdan again, or Irvin Kirshner, sorry, yeah. and said, okay, I, I don't know what, what I'm doing here. But um, I got that coming far later. I am surprised, that, that uh, mildly surprised, I guess, because it is a prequel, but I, um, ninth, wow, that is, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it, there are things I like about it. Like you said, when I watched it for the first time when I was a kid, um, it was easily my favorite prequel and I would rewatch it. There's a lot of rewatchable scenes. I really enjoy uh, the dialogue for me specifically is really bad in the Anakin Obi-Wan fight, like really, really bad. And that's kind of where it loses for me a, a few points, just because the lightsaber fights really cool, but I'm like, Anakin, please shut up. 
like please stop talking like every line is pretty bad and then he's like a brooding teenager yes and then yeah. you have like the padme dying of a broken heart cheesy weird <laughs> well i agree thing. i agree with that or, or also this is luke yes this is leia it's like yeah. okay we get it there's a guy and a girl we've you we don't need to spell it out for us yes and then you have the awful 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 oh. yep darth vader screaming no at the top of his lungs or what's left of them and then for me i think the movie there's a really cool shot towards the end where the movie i think should have ended and it's where darth vader is getting his mask put on mm-hmm. and it's sealing and he breathes and i think that's where it should end like that's yeah. That's the end of the movie. He's breathing. You hear the breathing, and then it cuts, and then it's over. Um, I really like that ending, but we get the the Darth Vader screaming into the void, and we do get the twin sons thing at the end, which I think is a cool nod. Um, but for me, it's still a prequel. It has all the same problems the other ones do. It's just better. Um, so, yeah, I have it in the nine spot. I'm willing to concede and give Solo the nine spot, however, because I know my feelings about Solo are a bit more controversial so do you I'm have really solo do you have solo at eight no i do not you have it even further up yes wow how far up i have it at six yes. wow okay well um maybe we kind of split the difference here because if if i got revenge of the sith sitting there at six you have solo at six mm-hmm. and then we flip that and we each have the other one at nine then I maybe we move those to the seven eight spots and we find a new number nine. Curious as to what your eight and seven are here. We so, got to sort these four movies out because I know the other two are Rogue One and Force yes. Awakens. Yeah. So my my number eight is the Rise of Skywalker, and I have a lot of things to say about this movie. Hmm. Um, it. Mm, you mentioned how you felt about the Phantom Menace, and I I'm, I do not feel about the Rise of Skywalker in the same way I felt. Um, about how you felt about the Phantom Menace. I did not come out of there defeated or mad or, but that feeling you talked about, your teacher said that something's off, like Mm -hmm. something wasn't right. And that's how I felt coming out of this. I saw it with my friend and my dad and we're like, man, how'd you feel? And I'm like, I'm, I feel fine. Like that's, that's about it. Like I I wasn't about it. I wasn't, completely beat up about it but there was something that wasn't right about this movie for me and there's a lot of things that have to do with that it kind of feels like a video game at times like you're just on the hunt for like a sith holocron and you're jumping from place to place and and that sort of thing um you know i i I hate the ray reveal that she's a palpatine i hate it with all my being Hmm. you'll know why later when we talk about a different movie um but it i just don't like that reveal i don't like that palpatine's back period um, I think it does undercut a little bit of stuff that happens in Return of the Jedi, but I don't believe in that as much as some others. Um, I think the action's really cool. I think it's well shot. I like the like a lot of what J.J. brings to this movie in terms of the way he chooses to shoot his action, the way his set pieces are. Um, so there's a lot of that that's inherent to a J.J. Abrams movie that I really like. Uh, but the Star Wars parts of this movie, for me, are what really, really fail. And Interesting. I'm fine with it. I'm content with it, but I'm, I'm I, that's, that's it. I'm just fine. So this is number eight for you. I have it actually up at number five. Yes. And I, I feel like I'm probably more in the minority. If you judge by reactions on message boards and stuff, I think sure. a lot of the sentiment was it's fine. I think people understood that the sequel trilogy 
the initial idea to have three different directors and they each have their own vision probably should have been more tightly plotted out before. Yep, and, and you see that, I don't know how much was retconned necessarily, but uh, JJ was trying to stick the landing for eight movies before it. Yep. And not a, a lot of the cool parts of Last Jedi weren't necessarily taken into account. So yep. I get all that. Um, if, if it's okay, I'll do my Rise of Skywalker retort. Go for it. Uh, to me, I mentioned how boredom and dullness, those are the, the biggest crimes yep. that you could strike a Star Wars movie with. This one, I think the most important thing in a Star Wars movie, it's never going to win Academy Awards, that's fine, but I think it's the emotional uh, connection of it. It's the uh, making you feel like a kid. I don't know Mm -hmm. why necessarily this movie did that for me, but I saw it four times in the theaters, each time trying to convince myself that I didn't like it as much (laughs) as I did. It was really weird. And I kept walking out saying, I like that movie a lot. I like yeah. it as, I'm as entertained and as emotionally, um, what would the, that be? Emotionally engaged as yeah. I am most other Star Wars movies. And I will point specifically, and we're doing spoilers anyway, so that's yeah. fine. Uh, I think the sequence on the planet with the Death Star submerged in water with Rey, with Kylo, the fight, He's mortally wounded. She saves him. And then, of course, Han Solo. This is all coupled with Leia dying. Mm -hmm. I think those 10 minutes, and actually I'll stretch it even further to when Ray and Luke meet one more time. That is the core of that movie that I said, you know what? This this is going to stick. This will age well. This will be as good as a lot of other Star Wars uh, moments. I think the climax with Palpatine and all that, we're missing the Force Ghost action. I love the voices, yeah. but man, what a missed opportunity there. Yeah. I like it okay. The space battle is merely okay. Yep. But the final shot of the movie, and I know that this is controversial for some when she takes that name. Um, I don't know why it resonates with me as much as it does. Mm. It just does. And it, it strikes the right chord where every time I'm a blubbery mess, and I'm like, you know what, J.J.? All things considered, this is firmly in the middle of the pack for me. And in terms of entertainment level, it's way up there. So I got that fifth. Yeah, there, there are things you mentioned there that I really, really enjoy. Pretty much everything. When Ray and Kylo are on screen, this movie is magic. And it Agreed. works. Uh, works really well. I love bringing Han Solo back to, to that. They relive that conversation. Um, and he kind of turns and he gets redeemed. I wish we had a little bit more time with him redeemed, but that's another complaint for another time. Sure. Uh, some of my other big issues here, I was actually shocked because the music for the trailers for this movie were amazing and really well done and really cool. And then I kind of felt like John Williams kind of phoned it in here. Um, I think it's his worst of the new trilogy anyway. I could see um, that. I thought he was really going to deliver with the last movie of the Skywalker saga. I thought there were going to be a little bit more callbacks. I thought for sure Duel of the Fates was coming. And it never did. And that's partly my own expectations and my own fault. Um, but I really thought we were going to get Duel of the Fates again. I really never got it. But um, other than that, though, there, there are other things I could pick apart. I don't know why Chewie got a medal at the end. I felt like we all moved on and kind of I just didn't need that. It was, there's fan service things yes. for sure. And, uh, you know, and thinking what's almost manipulative and what's actually like a legit thing to yeah. add to it. Um, and yet, you know, that, that moment, I'm still like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think what they also did very well, 
was peripheral characters and whether it be Babu Frick, we finally got a new funny little creature or little Dio the robot who's got five lines, but he's cute. And then you have the uh, Carrie Russell's character whose name escapes me at the moment, but um, who is actually a a cool addition. Lando for the few scenes he's in, it's fine. He's 80 some years old and that's um, I think served the movie. Okay. You know, there, there are enough holes in it. Um, I think with, I look at the sequel trilogy and uh, the big space battles just never landed like they should. You know, it's amazing. I was watching a bit of Rogue One and, and that little bit of space battle. I was like, God, why, why does this feel more on the nose than any of the sequel trilogy battles? Minus maybe the opening to Last Jedi. Um, but regardless, uh, for its faults, I still think that, um, you know, it's a big, sprawling movie, but it's not as messy as it could have been. I think there was a lot of kind of fitting puzzle pieces together. And um, I think the other part of it too, as we get to Last Jedi later, later, later on, is that I finally went into a Star Wars movie with zero expectations. Mm. And I'm trying to be objective and say, even if I went in with high expectations, would I have been satisfied? I think so, but there's no doubt I was more satisfied because of (laughs) the backlash over the sequel trilogy and thinking, I'm just here to watch a damn Star Wars movie. And for me, it it, it really struck a lot of those marks that I try to get from a Star Wars movie. Yeah, my final thoughts on it, I, I I think it does a little too much to try to appease people who didn't like the last one. I always struggle with movies that try to kind of do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I was shocked, honestly shocked when JJ and I got out of the movie and I was like, I can't believe that JJ and Disney kind of reacted in the way they did in the sense of, I guess I won't say retconning, but there are some moments in the last Jedi that I feel were completely changed or altered or, character arcs forgotten or different things like that throughout the movie. And I'm like, I mean, Rose being a big yes, one. Yes. And they introduced a whole new character. I forget uh, the actor that plays him, but kind of delivers the lines about Palpatine using force magic and whatever. Yeah. I'm like, well, Rose could have said those things. Or, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, something to do. Yeah. And, and there are things along the way that I'm just like, I can't believe that they kind of gave in to Reddit theories. And like, it just kind of felt like, the most reactionary movie possible when I really thought JJ wasn't going to do that. And so I guess that is my biggest disappointment with it all is they didn't stick to their guns and JJ didn't stick to how he knows how to tell a story. And that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I I understand that for sure. Um, I I actually thought it was going to be more so. I thought it was going to be a lot more. This never happened. Um, You know, the sequel trilogy in total, I was entertained by all three. I'll revisit all three, far more than I will the prequels. Uh, even understanding that there are narrative elements that don't um, really weave into what came before it. It's mm-hmm. just, here's some new characters and here's some old characters and we kind of mash them together. But um, I think that speaks to overall J.J. and Ryan Johnson, solid filmmakers, well, actually very good filmmakers at the end of the day. And uh, that, that certainly they aren't perfect, but we are talking about a movie series as, as I look through these lists. That really has one legit classic. Sorry, two yeah, legit two film legit. classics, right? Yeah. Out of 11. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I love them, I also, I think, have uh, long since acknowledged that, okay, I just kind of like George Lucas talked time and time again about how he was inspired by uh, Saturday morning serials like Flash mm-hmm. Gordon. Never the highest quality stuff, but fun. So when I, when I look at it through that lens, um, I, I find that I'm, 
far less critical than probably more avid Star Wars fans that are really looking for kind of the purity of it and making sure that all the entire universe actually kind of fits in. And meanwhile, I'm just, I'm willing to suspend disbelief when I'm watching these. So I think the, the hottest takes we have here on these lists are coming next. Okay. So for you at number eight, what do you have? 11, 10, 9, 8. Okay, I have Rogue One. Now, I, I do want to say this, though. Uh, for me, 9, 10, 11, Solo, Attack the Clones, Phantom Menace, you can put a line above Solo. Yeah. And then everything else, 8 to 1, I thoroughly enjoy. Okay. Okay, so my eighth movie is Rogue One. I got that a 7 out of 10. I have the end of it, the last 45 minutes, damn near a 10 out of 10. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> It, it was one of the best Star Wars experiences I've ever had that final hour. It's not to say that the first hour is boring. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And it's well done. And I was very pleasantly surprised that, you know, it doesn't have the Star Wars musical cues. It mm-hmm. didn't have the title card. So it is kind of a new experience. It was the first non-Skywalker saga movie to come out. Um, the acting's good. The direction is good. Um, it's all good. And it, but I will say they stuck the landing in that movie a hundred percent. So you just give me that final hour. I'll watch that any day of the week. It's just that the first hour as they're setting the scene for characters that we're only going to meet once. Um, that's just where it lacks. It's no fault of the filmmakers. It's so well done. Um, and that really just goes to show from eight to one. I enjoy all these movies. Um, but I got rogue one sitting there at eight. Um, I think that sometimes it gets a little bit too much love from people Agreed. and uh you know the forest Whitaker character um it, again the first hour is fine and uh but man does it pay off so that that's from here on out i got no complaints about any of these movies i enjoy every single one of them sure yeah i, I have rogue one at seven so this might help us i don't know separate this, these tiebreakers we have um because we both roughly have rogue one in the same place um the seven to eight range. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally, after I saw it the first time in theaters, loved it on top of the world. And then I saw it a second time in IMAX on top of the world. And it was on like, it was in uh, downtown Indianapolis at the Indiana state museum. And it's like one of 20, 26 IMAX screens in America that are, you know, th- that size and whatever. It was a really cool experience, really immersive experience. Uh, the last hour of that movie on that screen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and then I saw it again around Christmas with family, still loved it. And then I got it on Blu-ray and put it in the Blu-ray player. And I looked over at my dad about right before the battle uh, on the beach happens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is pretty boring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it being like this. And yeah. I was just like, wow, I don't think this is as good as I remember it being in theaters. And it was kind of a heartbreaking moment as my dad and I both realized this um, because I, I initially had it towards the top of my list. Like when, it, after it came out, you know, I was ranking the star Wars movies again. I had it right up there um, with, with the classics and over time it has fallen away. Um, hmm. I, I just, that first hour uh, is a slog to get through for me. The planet jumping, everything is kind of Forrest Whitaker doing a weird voice and, I don't know why he keeps coming back to that voice. He did something similar in Black Panther. Um, <laughs> but Forrest Whitaker is kind of weird. There's some, the, the pilot is weird. The, the tentacle thing is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just stuff in the first hour that I just don't enjoy. So yep, I get uh, that. 
as um, a short film, if the last hour was just a short film on its own, I'd be like, yeah, that was really cool. Like, and, and what what the first hour does fairly well is again, it's certainly not uh, it's not the breeziest hour to get through. And I remember thinking in the theater, okay, I'm enjoying this, all right. Um, I have not revisited the movie that much, but if I do catch the final hour on TBS or, or TNT when they play yes. it, all the old ones, then I'll stick around and watch that. It does have arguably the well, not arguably. It has the best Darth Vader scene of any Star Wars movie. 100%. And it was a holy blank moment. I mean, it was, was. you know, it would make, there could be a 70-year-old, something-year-old guy in the theater that was, um, you know, 30 when the first ones came out that jaw dropped and thought, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, all my life I've wanted to see Darth Vader just kick (laughs) some ass. And it is, man, back to the payoff. And, of course, the very end, which I know that, you know, facial, um, the, the technology that they use to get Leia in there from A New Hope. Um, well, she's on the screen for all of two seconds. Her yeah, face. and I don't think that one looks that bad, to be no, honest. No, 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 I don't either. I don't either. I think Tarkin and, looks way worse. But. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, man, the, the land, oh, my God. Um, what, what's the final words of the movie? It's been a few years. Hope? Hope, yeah. Okay, right. This gives us hope or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, and, they hand it off to her and what is it you have for us, basically? And then she says hope. I mean, come on. So, yeah, I, I think we're on the same, same thing here. We're, we are now entering that part of the list where we enjoy everything from here on out. Yeah. Um, there's flaws within them. Um, I think the only flaws of this movie are sort of – it's not even the fault of the filmmakers or the writers. I think it really is just, okay, we, in a short amount of time, need to give you some background of these characters if you're going to care at all about them. Mm-hmm. And I will give them credit that on the beach um, – the heroes die. I mean, this is yeah. the only Star Wars movie where all the heroes are dead. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a bold thing for a Star Wars movie. And I got to know them just enough where I did care for them as they met their fate. I, I really did care about those characters. So that is credit to the filmmakers. I could almost talk myself into moving higher, but I am a little bit partial to the saga movies. And I yeah. view this as a really cool addendum. Um, not essential, but it tried something. And for the most part, it worked. Yeah, I think this is about as good as spinoff movies are going to get. Um, it delivered exactly kind of what I wanted from it. Um, and me having it this low isn't me saying I don't like it. I do like yeah, it yeah. quite a bit. Um, I just wish that first hour had done a little bit more for me, um, especially now that the only way I can watch it is at home. <laughs> so now I can just fast forward to the parts I want to see. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't hate it. It's it's fine. I think it's, it's again, about as good as these spinoff movies we're going to get. And for some reason, man, these spinoff movies have had some production issues. I mean, Gareth Edwards on this one, um, they had Tony Gilroy come in and shoot, reshoot a bunch of it and so on and so forth. And then Solo, obviously, we already talked about that and some of its production problems. Um, but yeah, Rogue One for me is good, not great. I, I know people who have it pretty close to the top. I can't quite get there. Um, the Darth Vader stuff is awesome. Krennic is a little too generic, but he's fine. Um, Good actor. He's, yeah. he's better in other movies, but uh, Ben Mendel's on, right? He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, and then Giacchino did the score in four weeks, which is kind of crazy. Sounds good. Um, but sounds good enough. And overall, I don't have many complaints. I just don't, ha- I don't revere it as much as most people do. Agreed, yeah. So we have that both at eight, is that correct? Seven. I have it at seven. You have it at eight. So we're okay, pretty so close. Do we have one more movie that we need for a tiebreaker here for this middle pack of four? So I don't think so. 
So the big things that we have here is you have from nine yep. to six. Is that correct? That's, that's the pack we're looking at now? Yep, nine to six. Okay, so I got Solo at nine. We, I got Rogue One at eight. You got Rogue One at seven. Mm-hmm. I would almost argue that um, I don't mind bunching the, uh, the side projects, so to yeah. speak, at um, eight and nine. Well, you see, but this is where it gets tricky, though, because you got Revenge of the Sith way low. Um, Rise of Skywalker, too. Ooh, yeah, that is where the differentiation kind of pops in. So I would, I'm totally okay with having the side projects sit at 8 and 9. Okay. So that, will, then that leaves, um, okay, 8 and 9. So that means we got Episodes 1 and 2. Uh, we got Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace, Working uh, Ascending Order. Yes. And then we'd say Solo and then Rogue One, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. And then we need to figure out the next two spots. It seems like Rise of Skywalker, Revenge of the Sith. Six, seven. Yes. So uh, on point totals on the aggregated list, it's Revenge of the Sith at seven, Rise of Skywalker at six. I, would you agree with that? I know you didn't like Re- Revenge of the Sith. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah that's fine with me. I have, I have, that's kind of how I have them on my list. I have Rise of Skywalker right above Revenge of the Sith. So, so I think I can guess what couple movies we're looking at next. Yes. Although one, I have one left. That's kind of shocking. Um, <laughs> I have solo at six. So I will defend solo for a minute. Um, okay. Let's hear it. So solo for me from start to finish is pretty fun. And I don't feel that way about rogue one. I think the last hour of Rogue One is really fun. Mm-hmm. I think the last hour of Rogue One is more fun than Solo is. Um, but the first hour of Rogue One is not nearly as fun as Solo is. Uh, Solo is just a fun little space adventure that, besides the last name thing, isn't offensive in any way. It doesn't sure. try to kind of ruin any mythology or ruin your childhood or anything like that. It's not trying to subvert expectations. In fact, I we talked about fan service a little bit in rise of Skywalker solo has my favorite kind of fan service besides the last name thing. Um, I think the way Lando calls Han Han throughout the movie is really Mm -hmm. funny and they come back to it. I think that's really cool, playful fan service that really works for me. And that's the kind of fan service I enjoy. Um, I think the action's kind of fun. The the train heist sequence is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Woody Harrelson in this movie. Um, you know, the, the villain in the movie, Dryden Voss, I think is really, really cool. The way they, they kind of have his veins pop out red and stuff is really cool to look at. Um, I, like, I like Donald Glover as Lando, although I think he's doing more of a Billy D. Williams impression than actually trying to play the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Alden Ehrenreich as, as Han Solo. I thought he was very good, yes. My, my dad isn't a huge fan just because he can't separate Harrison Ford from the character. So he had, and I get that issue. But from the very moment he starts speaking and his lines, I'm like, that's Han Solo. Like, yeah, he captures he it. He does it really, really well. And so for me, Solo isn't a 10 out of 10. Um, we've been giving number scores kind of throughout. I, I would give Solo a seven and a half, seven and a half ish. I really enjoy it. And I would give Rogue One about a seven. So I enjoy it just a little more just throughout the whole movie. Um, and the soundtrack's great too, man. Love that score. Um, but Solo for me is just fun from start to finish. And, you're in, you're out. It's not too offensive. 
and, and then you're done. So <laughs> I, I, I think you, you capture the good parts of it. I think for me, it's all of that. It's everything you said. I enjoyed it in the theater viewing experience I had, but I didn't think about it. I, I don't want to not no hyperbole here. I didn't really think about it at all. Yeah. After I saw it, um, you know, the, the conclusion with the quadruple cross or whatever, uh, Amelia Clark's character, mm. whatever. And I feel, I feel like I'm sort of lumping in my uh, disappointment with the uh, character arc of her and Game, Game of Thrones. Of Thrones with, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm so sick of Amelia Clark as if she had anything to do with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all fine. It's all fun. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that that's kind of the hallmark of a Star Wars movie. Is it fun? Yes, yeah, Solo is fun. Um, I think that for whatever reason, um, it didn't have... Gosh, and I mean, God, he killed it as Han. I would agree with that. He really captured it, and it's got Chewie in it, and Chewie's my favorite Star Wars and character for the most part. They did something with Chewie that I love. Like, he's an actual character in Solo. Like, in the sequel trilogy, he's just kind of around. And he's like, an ornament. Yes. yes. Says things every once in a while, makes a funny joke, eats a porg, so on and so forth. <laughs> but in Solo... I feel like he actually has importance to the story and he's mm -hmm. actually a friend of Hans, which you've seen in the original trilogy a lot, mm -hmm. but they capture it really well in Solo too. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, real quick, back to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, when Chewie gets the news, they all get back to mm. base camp and he gets the news about Leia. Yeah. And oh my God, he's a Wookiee. It's a guy in a costume. It's a Muppet for the most part. And yet it's, ugh. okay. So yeah, that one more thing about how rise of skywalker uh really hit my emotional uh part of star wars fandom but yeah you know solo's entertaining i I'll, i will give that and um oh maybe i think it's on disney plus again i could get yeah. it watch, i suppose so the bottom half of our list combined list kind of looks like this i think i think I, i've written it down right so we have attack yeah. of the clones at last place that's fair yeah then the phantom menace then solo rogue one revenge of the sith and rise of skywalker and that yeah yeah, I think that sounds good. Um, you know, and that's, again, saying that we like all but two of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, uh, and that worst case, probably any of the ones not named Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace is still like a 7 out of 10. It's, it's, yeah. it's a fun ride. So now we get into the good. Yeah, and we have no tiebreakers to, to figure out. So this should okay. be pretty straightforward and what we like and less of what we don't like because we, we like these movies a lot. Um, but and in fifth place, what's your what's your movie? So I know fifth place for me is Rise of Skywalker, but the one that I have not said yet is my number seven movie. Yep, Force Awakens. I still really like it. I mean, I think that they really knocked it out of the park in terms of reintroducing uh, the old characters, introducing new ones, capturing everything that we loved about the original trilogy. The opening line is, it's time we set this right or something like mm -hmm. that. Max von Saito says that, which is essentially just apologizing for the prequels, which, you know, you mentioned JJ kind of retconning Last Jedi. And in this way, he's retconning the prequels and saying, eh, forget about those. But, you know, it, it will always hold a special place in my heart because it was a legit Star Wars movie. And it was one of the best theater experiences ever. The, you know, you go in with sky high expectations and it's still for the most part met those. I think over time, it's weaknesses. I, I can't go so far as to call it boring. And if you think about it, A New Hope in the first 45 minutes is not exactly action packed. So it does match that. Mm -hmm. But it, we can, I think, offer a fair criticism that it is derivative. 
And as a Star Wars fan, that's okay. I'm on board. I'm still having fun. But does it pack the emotional punch? Even the moment where Han is killed, and I love Han Solo, yep. um, it didn't pack the emotional punch that I hoped to. And that's partly my own damn fault for reading a Rolling Stone article the week before that said, oh. um, by the way, Harrison Ford didn't sign on for the next movie. I'm like, yeah, ah, he's totally going to die in this one. Yeah. So regardless, though, it's well done. Um, it, it, it hits the marks. Um, what it does not hit necessarily, I think the climax overall is fairly weak. The space battle with the now Death Star as a planet, that's yeah. still seems. You had three decades to figure this out. And uh, yeah, that, I think the derivative nature is always going to have it firmly in the middle for me and not at the very top. Yeah, I have The Force Awakens at four. Um, and a reason for that, we, I, in our Twitter conversations before this, we kind of talked about nostalgia and how I enjoy some of these movies a little bit more uh, because of that. And The Force Awakens is already nostalgic for me. Like Every time I watch it, it takes me back to a place I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the movie I've had the most expectations for in my life. Um, it's the first Star Wars movie I ever saw in theaters. So obviously that's a different kind of experience for me. You know, my dad had always hyped up the Lucasfilm logo and everything beforehand. And oh, yeah. I was really excited about it. And I got to experience it for the first time and watch the crawl go across the theater screen for the first time and all that sort of stuff. And I really had a good time. I think I saw it like seven times in theaters. I saw it so many times in theaters and it's probably my most viewed movie in theaters uh, up to this point. And it just does a lot right for me. And I mentioned this with Solo. It's pretty inoffensive and doesn't try anything new, which was for me at the time was fine. Like I just wanted a good movie. And it gave that to me. And it's definitely derivative. It's very much a new hope uh, done again. But I really like it. I like all the new characters they introduced. Um, and John Williams' themes for the new characters were great. I really enjoyed his themes for Ray and Kylo and um, really enjoyed both of those characters i enjoy them throughout the whole trilogy but their introductions are really great here um and you know people will complain about you know ray losing to kylo in the fight but people forget dude got shot in the stomach with a bowcaster so yeah uh, right i think he had every right to lose that um and you're right about the space battle at the end with the death star i feel like we should have something new i actually enjoyed the space battle it's not really space battle the sky battle i guess Mm -hmm. where they come to save han and chewie um, and the crew then is really, really cool. The X-Wings hover above the water and the whole thing. That was a great in. scene. Yes. Amazing stuff. And Finn's, you know, fist pumping and the whole thing. And it's really, really cool. And it's probably the best use of X-Wings TIE fighters in the movie, though I really love the, uh, with Poe and Finn in the TIE fighter escape. I really like that too. I think it's really, really cool. You know, you, you mentioned all that. And I mean, gosh, it, it really... <sighs> to hit expectations as, as sky high as they were that that is a testament to to the movie and to jj abrams and, and kathleen kennedy i know she gets a lot of crap but um yeah it, it was a really strong start to the prequel trilogy that's why or sequel trilogy sorry mm-hmm. and even though i have it at seven it's just because um there are other movies that over time i think resonate more you got it at four i got it at seven should we have that on, in the in the five spot yeah it comes out at number five on okay our- and I mean, I still got it like seven, seven point five out of ten. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good flick. So, uh, really uh, and that that leads to number four. And I think as I look at this, we all have the top, same top. Well, the last four. There's a movie coming up that's going to be your number five. That I believe is my number four. Yes. So, okay. your number four 
is Return of the Jedi, correct? It's a mess. Okay. Um, half, the co- half the cast is probably totally coked out at this point. <laughs> so true. Har- Harrison Ford could have cared less about any of it. You, know, you watch it and you realize it, it's sort of like, you know, you watch New Hope and it's like seeing a band in an auditorium and you're like, I'm in on the ground floor with this really cool rock band. Mm-hmm. And then you see them six years later hi- uh, headlining Lollapalooza yeah. and they're dressed nicer and, and they're clearly kind of um, just uh, disillusioned by their fame and all that. I get a sense of that from the cast yeah. minus Luke. Yeah. And the reason I have this movie for is because the Luke Darth Vader scenes are the perfect capper to the original trilogy. Now, we got three things going on in the final 45 minutes. We have one of my favorite space battles on Death Star oh, 2. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It, it looks so good. I love, and I know, listen, derivative, it, it copies two movies before it with another yes. Death Star, but just the way they go inside the Death Star through that little tunnel thing. And I love Nine Nub, the co-pilot. He's one of my favorite peripheral He's characters. Yeah. Um, the star battle or the space battle is amazing. The Ewoks, listen, you know, I get it, but damned if I didn't tear up when I saw the Ewoks <laughs> at the end of Rise of Skywalker. So I can say that they kind of annoy me, but no, I love the Ewoks. Uh, and then, but most importantly, Luke, Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine. It, it struck me when I first watched it. Uh, you know, the, the movie sags a bit in the middle between Jabba's palace and the final mm-hmm. scenes. But the spectacle, when it's at its best, is as good as any sequence in uh, Star Wars film history. So despite its uneven nature and some of the cast being checked out, it is number four for me. That is a little bit of my nostalgia, probably giving it a bump. But damn, the best parts of that movie are up there with any Star Wars uh, scene that I can remember. Yeah, I, I really enjoy about two thirds of this. I mean, I have it at five, so not much lower than you at all. Um, and for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned, um, it's just really, really good finale to a tr- finale to a trilogy. Uh, but I'm not a big Ewok person. Um, Fair. I, I also <laughs> this movie for me. I know that A New Hope has gotten tweaked with by George Lucas over time. Oh, don't. Size Snoodles in the band? Yes, don't yes. Even. It, is, <laughs> it is the worst tweak he made. And I'll, I'll add a, an addendum to that would be the original ending on Endor. Yep. I, don't need, I don't care about Naboo. We, we've talked about uh, this on. Yeah, yeah I, I could give a crap about that planet. I don't need to see the Gungans celebrating. I don't the, either. I want to see the Ewoks in the, I forget the name of the original song, but you can get it on Apple music. It's still there in the original mm-hmm. soundtrack and yeah, that, that, that really bothers me. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad you brought that up because that is uh, upon rewatch. You give me the original version of it yes. and I am probably still saying that's top three. It's <laughs> yeah. it, it, it took a hit. It took the biggest hit of any of the original. Yeah, I think this movie also suffers a little bit too. You know, George Lucas, even at the time, was starting to experiment more with special effects. And there are some green screen things in this movie that haven't held up great uh, on rewatch. Like the speeder chase scene still looks pretty mm-hmm. good, uh, but has kind of aged poorly. The, the uh, I guess also kind of a speeder-ish thing um, on Tatooine. They're cruising through and they're in handcuffs and everything. This green screen doesn't look great there either. The uh, Rancor, is that the name of the monster? Yeah. That yeah. never looked really that good. If adding 
Like I think the Sarlacc pit burps. Yes. It's just it's so stupid. It doesn't need tentacles coming out of it. It was freaky enough as it was with just the the you know circular teeth thing going. That's all you needed. Um, man, I'm glad you brought that up. That you, you think about the one movie that somehow escaped for the most part. George Lucas messing with it, and that would oh yes, Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Um, and, and you know the Jabba scene in A New Hope, whatever. That's fairly superficial. Um, I know they turned Moss Eisley into this. <laughs> you know, uh, and I know even South Park made fun of it, like, look more more dobacks and more dobacks. <laughs> yeah. But man, Return of the Jedi took a huge hit with that. It's a shame because I love the original um, Jabba's palace scene. Yeah. I remember that music distinctly. I'll sometimes go on YouTube to watch the original scenes and remind myself how much I love those. <laughs> yeah. It didn't need to be touched. It is very frustrating. Yeah. My favorite part of that movie is when, and I know Luke's plan at the beginning makes no sense at all, um, which is <laughs> it fine. It is very convoluted. <laughs> uh, I don't really care. I've never really cared about that, to be honest. Like I know now it doesn't make any sense, but I still love watching the, the part where, you know, the music starting to build. John Williams' score there is excellent. They kind of stop, and R2-D2 opens up the top of his thing, and you see the lightsaber inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my Great. goodness. And then Great. you see the look on Luke's face, and he knows what's about to happen, and then the lightsaber pops out, and he catches it. Just an awesome, awesome moment. Uh, I, I, ultimately, it kind of ends with Boba Fett dying in, the, like, the lamest way possible, but that's fine. Uh, I guess he's back. In Mandalorian, I don't know. Oh, is that the rumor that going was, around? Yeah, that's the rumor. Very cool. Around. Okay, sweet. Um, uh, you know, I love that. that movie, that's a great scene, and I mentioned Nine Nub earlier as one of my favorites. Apparently, he did die in Rise of Skywalker, which is heartbreaking. The, they, is. they didn't even show it. Uh, but Salacious Crumb in all the Star Wars movies, I don't know why it is, but Salacious Crumb is my favorite tertiary character can't even call him a secondary character yeah, he's just yeah, yeah. there to laugh he's a little rodent chihuahua thing his laugh is great and i also love he gets shocked i think by r2d2 goes flying up to the roof of that ship and then he like shakes his fist like at yeah. r2d2 crack me up as a, a fifth grader it cracks me up now um yeah that movie yeah the tone is very uneven it has this funny opening with jabba's then we go see yoda he dies it's sad it is that middle section where it does sag, um, but it, it picks itself up. And, you know, um, I, I think the best way to put it is it's arguably the most entertain at, at its peak. It yeah. has the most entertaining moments mm-hmm, of the for sure. trilogy, even though tonally it is a, a little bit all over the map. But, man, they, it, it's the end of m- the favorite movie trilogy of my life, and it, it stuck yeah. the landing for the most part. And uh, though if you can get your hands on the original copy, do so. Yeah better so do you know about the i think it's harmy is his name yes he the despecialized yes right so, i need to get a hand and need to get my hand on copies of those yes i have those and i watch them pretty much exclusively if i'm going to watch the original trilogy at all do they look um, great i mean i've heard the they trans- look fantastic yeah okay takes up a lot of space on our computer and takes a while to download, but uh, definitely worth it um, okay. if, if you can get around to it. Cause it I, I will. I will. It's like watching the original, <laughs> like legit, just watching the original first cut of the movie, which is... R- real quick side movie. thing here, because what year were you born? I know 98. So 98. a year before was, the prequel started. Okay, there you go. So I was born in 86, and in the mid-90s, I want to say 93, 94, the original trilogy was re-released on VHS, and mm-hmm. it was one of these cube trilogy sets star wars was blue 
and it wasn't really called the new hope all that much yet it was still yeah. star wars uh empire strikes back was purple and return of the jedi was like maroon and i remember that box set that opened up with these 10 minute leonard malton george lucas little interviews and that was my first exposure to it and then the special editions come out in 97 as he's prepping the prequels and I, I was able to see all of them on the big screen multiple times. The Jabba thing was cool in A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back, relatively faithful to it. Uh, Return of the Jedi, went back to the idea of this being for kids. When I was 10, the new size Snoodles thing was funny. Yeah. The ending was whatever. Um, but, you know, all that said, it, it, it is something where the Harmies to specialized. I need to give that a watch because that would take me back to my very first exposure. And, you know, there's something pure about that just not not none of the mess of not mass isley spaceport or yeah. um the Jabba's palace stuff I, I need to get i need to get around to that so my first exposure to star wars in some ways was the prequels but not really because i was able to watch the original trilogy because i was still too young to go see the prequels in theaters um still wasn't ready for that but i was able to watch the original trilogy and we got the first dvd box set like the first time they were released on dvd mm -hmm. and so i've really only seen the specialized editions until the last couple of years so yeah. i wasn't revisiting the original cuts of these movies i was viewing them for the first time which is a pretty different experience um, and my dad would always tell me like when we we're watching the dvds like this is not the <laughs> this is not right. how star wars yeah. came out originally and stuff so i was always aware of it um but yeah I, the despecialized editions are fantastic fantastic and he took, what, the original Laserdisc cut? Yeah, there's and, a whole video on his YouTube channel where he, like, explains the process that they went through to kind of okay. put it together. That's really, really, really cool. And took a lot of hours and a lot of work to figure that out. But it's great final product. So. Excellent. So we got, okay, I had returned the Jedi at four. He had it at five. That yep. means aggregate it's at four. Yep. So we got top three here. And, there I mean, we go. I'm looking at it, and it seems like our final list will have all the sequel and sequel and original trilogy in the six through one spot. Is that right? Yes. Six through one is all original and sequel. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I'm fine with that because you know, at the end of the day, in terms of entertainment value and movies, I'll go back to that's what it'll be. I, I might revisit Revenge of the Sith, but I have no intention of ever. I mean, unless they make another trilogy and I decide to marathon all of them again, I have no intention to ever watch episodes one or two again. And uh, I think these last three, uh, this is where it'll get pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. So for me, the bottom half of this list for me, which is the prequels, um, are around like five, four or five out of tens ish. The Rise of Skywalker, maybe like five and a half. Then the I've got the spinoffs there around seven-ish and then Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens around eight. And then the top three for me is like nine and a half to tens, like pretty much jumps a whole nother number scale for me. Okay. All right. Um, and I know we have the same top three, I think. Um, so this will be interesting. So number three. Yep. All right. Uh, number three, I got Last Jedi. And I have thought Heck long yeah. and hard about this. Heck yeah. Was it the best theater experience of all the sequel trilogy movies? Yes. Yes. I remember walking out of that and uh, we went to the 10 o'clock show and a good friend of mine, Star Wars buff, had already went to the seven o'clock. He comes out and I'm like, huh? You know, just like yeah. looking at him. He's like, dude. And I'm like, okay, if he's feeling that, then this is going to be something. And it was, um, you know, listen, it's, it's flaws are well-documented. 
Mm-hmm. We know that the candle blight sequence is whatever. Okay, yeah. it, it's um, it, it feels shoehorned in to give Finn and Rose something to do. We got yeah. this new character, Rose. We got to do something with her. Finn, he's just chilling out. Okay, go go there. Um, some of the plot is a bit convoluted, yes, but at its core, the action sequences are as good as any Star Wars yeah, movie. Yeah, hundred percent. The Luke storyline, I know that was controversial, but I think the theme of failure in this movie is super powerful. I think so too. And uh, Ray, I think it's her best acting performance in all of it. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren is fantastic again. The scene in the throne room is one of the best Star Wars scenes ever. Yeah. And uh, man, if, if the, <laughs> the, the two scenes though, the Yoda scene is my favorite oh, in all my trilogy. I was a blubbering, I get chills thinking about it. I was a blubbery mess for like a minute after that because I never know, I didn't know if I'd see Yoda ever again. And it was mm-hmm. just perfect what he says. And then the final scene on the salt planet, the, the, the shot alone of Kylo and Luke facing off oh, it's and on that widescreen. It's the best looking Star Wars movie. Yeah, by far. Cinematography is excellent. They took chances. Ryan Johnson just saw Knives Out for the first time a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Great. guy is an ace director. It is a very, um, I think, valuable addition to the Star Wars canon. It tried things and went places others did not. I got to give it a hell of a lot of respect for that. And on top of that, I enjoyed most every minute of it. So for that, I got a top three. I, da- critics be damned. Reddit fanboys be damned. Yep. Number three. Yeah, so I have The Last Jedi at three as well. I debated for a long time uh, putting it at two um it for me is everything i've ever wanted from star wars and kind of i guess what the force of my complaint with the force awakens was that you know it was too derivative didn't take enough chances and then the last jedi was like just threw that out the window and just went for something wholly new and and original even though there's some ideas that are derivative the throne room and the salt planet that kind of looks like hot there are some things obviously that are, are from different star wars movies um, but the themes it wrestles with and the things that these characters go through and the ideas of, you know, your family lineage not mattering and your, to your importance in the galaxy and uh, stuff like that that just really resonated with me. And has I've been thinking about this movie for like three years, I feel like. Um, it's just one of those for me. Everything you said is true about everything that's good about it. I, I do have issues with the Canto Bite stuff. Um, but even that is like 16 minutes in a two and a half hour movie. So I like, it's a small quibble, even though some people think it's a big one. It's not really for me. Um, you know, I wish Finn had a, had more to do. That is one of my gripes with it. I wish, you know, he got to do so many cool things in force awakens and I felt like he got sidelined here. And I know that, you know, Ryan Johnson was kind of put in a tough position by the force awakens mm-hmm. because he has Ray and Luke off by themselves and Finn slashed uh, his spine with a lightsaber. And, you know, there were a lot of things that Ryan Johnson had to figure out that JJ just kind of had this mystery box and said, I don't really know what's in it, but here you go, Ryan, figure it out. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the issues people have with this movie came from the force awakens originally. Um, the decision to make Luke a hermit is, in the first line of the crawl in the force awakens, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the line is Luke Skywalker has vanished. And so I think there's a lot of this movie that people hate on that isn't this movie's fault, uh, that, that it was kind of given to and inherited these problems um, that people have with it. But for me, it 
checks all the boxes. I mean, the opening space battle. Tremendous. This movie is amazing. It's probably my favorite Sans Return of the Jedi. Um, but Poe taking on the Dreadnought by himself is really cool. The, the sacrifice that Rose's sister makes with the bombers is really, really powerful and really cool. I really enjoyed that. The, the action, as you said, throughout is amazing. The throne room scene, oh my goodness. My jaw in the theaters on the floor when he decides to kill Snoke. I mean, that decision, I know a lot of people were like, where did Snoke come from? And when Snoke died, I was like, thank you, because it made me realize that Snoke was only there to serve Kylo's character and his Kylo's development. So there's a lot in here that I could go on and on for years about, about how much I love. And, and I know there's people who don't like it and I get why people don't like it. So if people don't like it and if you're listening and you hate this movie, I get it. I'm not going to hate you for it. Um, and, and part of that has to do with my experience. So I thought, saw it in theaters. I think I told you this on Twitter, you know, my phone battery had died and had a broken phone and after I got out of the theater, the only reaction I had to kind of gauge how people were feeling about it since my phone was broken was the people I saw it with and they all really enjoyed it. And it wasn't until I got a new phone a few days later when I get online and everyone hates it. And I'm like, what is going on? I did not expect <laughs> I this kind of reaction. Uh, I didn't either. It made no sense. I thought people would really be on board with a lot of the choices and chances it took. And, you know, I thought Luke still got to do a really cool, powerful thing oh at the end. Oh, my God. And, you yes. Know, like, how, just, how do people not like this movie? I was mesmerized. <laughs> well, think about, you know, in terms of moments that stick with you or moments that you distinctly remember seeing the first time. I mean, we have the Holdo maneuver. <laughs> you know? Great, great scene. I mean, the, the gasp in the theater. Yep. It all goes to silence. You know, another really cool choice that maximizes the impact of that. You think of the the realization that Luke's not there. So well done. I, you know, at, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it was the most well thought through, well executed <laughs> movie of the sequel trilogy. And I, I cannot go back enough to how good it looks. It is eye candy. It, it is just remarkable. The, the whites and the reds. I mean, the whole campaign leading up to it, um, the very cool choice, I think, for the actual poster to have Star Wars in red. There's red all mm -hmm. over this movie. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I just think that especially having watched more Ryan Johnson stuff and, and gain, gaining an appreciation for him as a director, that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So I hope that over time, and listen, he's a professional. He's got an ego. He probably knows that he made a really damn good movie mm -hmm. and that there's going to be online critics because of Star Wars. But I hope that he does live to see the day. And maybe it's, you're starting to see resurgence now. I hope he lives to see um, a reappraisal yeah. by a lot of people. And it's not that something that people need to love, but it's something I think people need to respect and admire for the chances it did take. I know that's been thrown around, um, so we get tired of hearing, well, the last Jedi took chances. It did. It did. Maybe that's why people were so pissed off about it. But And you're also right about Canto Bite. I said Blight, which I guess it is kind of a blight on the, the rest yeah, of the book. It is. But it is, you know, 16 minutes. It's And the good thing is the third and fourth time, I knew when I could go pee. You know, it was, yeah, exactly, yeah. It was valuable timing. And it's not like Star Wars movies are a thrill a minute, any no. of them. No. So that, that seems a small gripe when the grand scheme of it, it's a really well done movie and it, 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 it's a Star Wars movie. It feels like it. And it was one of the better theater experiences I've had in, of any of these movies. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, DP director of photography 
um, Stephen Yedlin has done everything with him, basically. I think from Brick on, maybe it was Looper on, but um, has shot everything for him. And the choice they made to shoot all the action in these beautiful wide-angle shots and take up the whole screen, uh, it, incredible, incredible stuff. And there have been people like nitpicking. I don't know if this is going to ruin the scene for you. It hasn't for me. Nitpicking the throne room scene in, in the sense that some of the choreography is off, like the timing's just a little off. There's people like standing around when they could be fighting and whatnot, but yeah, I don't really care about oh, any of that. Kind it's of a painting. Yeah. Every every it every frame great. of painting, right? It, it is one of the Star Wars movies where it's the old adage from Stanley Kubrick movies: every frame is a painting. And I don't know about every frame, but it is. I think in terms of how it is shot, um, the most well thought through of probably any Star Wars movie. And that's saying something with the two that we got left. Yeah, and I love that throne room scene. I think the Yoda scene, like you said, it's probably my, it's my favorite in the saga period, probably. Mm, okay. um, just the, the things that Yoda says to him in that moment that honestly does a better, I think a better job of tying the prequels to now than the rise of Skywalker kind of tries to do mm-hmm. um, in a sense, like, you know, the Jedi fell in the past and, you know, it's, they are what we grow beyond that line. It's fantastic and stuff. And but the throne page room scene, turners, page turners, they are not. Is yes, that his one? Yes, yeah. page it's turners. Yoda. It's, it's a perfect scene. That throne room scene, when for just a brief minute, I guess it's probably a couple minutes, when they're fighting together, and you think they're teaming up, like we're gonna see the hero and the villain be on the same side, and then the way they shoot it, and the way that the the dialogue is written, to where you feel the same heartbreak Ray does when kylo you realize that kylo is still evil and you realize mm-hmm. that he's still bad and you realize it's not going to work out it's really not going to work out and i wish in some ways this is a rise of skywalker conversation a little bit that kylo had a chance at redemption he's actually had multiple he had the chance to not kill his dad in the force awakens he had the chance to join ray and you know stop all the all the destruction and the killing and the in the war that they're waging and the last Jedi, and then he finally comes around in nine. Um, but I wish he had maybe done it in eight. Like I think it was a really, really cool opportunity. Um, in some ways, I'm glad they didn't, though, because it was a chance for Star Wars to go in a new direction. We only have one bad guy. We haven't had only one bad guy in a long time since A New Hope when we didn't realize the Emperor was around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would have been a really cool direction to go. Obviously, they didn't. They brought Palpatine back. But um, I really, really enjoyed the expectation subversion in that sense of like, after that movie was over, I felt like they could go thousands of directions that Star Wars had never been before. And that was a really cool feeling for about a yeah. year. <laughs> I think Adam Driver, as good as he is in Force Awakens, he's so good in Force Awakens because he is this sort of petulant crybaby teenager. Yep. You know? uh, it's very talented, obviously skilled as a fighter and all that, but he's just kind of a baby. And that's why some people didn't like his character in Force Awakens, but I was like, well, it's, he's playing it perfect. He's a, he's a lonely kid. He's an angry, lonely He'd be a goth kid if he were in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get to Last Jedi, and he's much more, the character is much more confident, and he doesn't wear the mask. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is just a full on badass now. And mm-hmm. man, it just even the way he says, I want you to blow him to the sky or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fan- he's a great bad guy, one of the best actors going, period, anyways. And Star yeah. Wars, it was a coup to get him yeah, for Kylo because for he, I think I agree with you totally that. Him and Ray, they're the reason that the sequel trilogy ultimately works. Mm-hmm. You know, people can say what they want, that it's not as good as the original trilogy. I'd agree. But it was very entertaining, and it does have a narrative thread throughout between those two characters. And when they're involved, I'm engaged. 
And I think that's 100%. a major win um, for JJ and for Ryan Johnson. And, you know, maybe, maybe episode seven and nine will age well over time. Yeah. And we'll start viewing those three movies as a greater whole instead of just three individual things that kind of tie together. But mm-hmm. certainly episode eight, you know, it, it, it's up there. And I, I hope that it gets, uh, it, it's gotten respect. Critics liked it, you yeah. know. Um, but I, I think it is uh, a very worthy addition at the very top of all yep. of them. Right there with you. All right, moving into the top two, which I think people probably would guess these would be the top two. Um, it's just curious, the order. I think we both have the same order, though. Um, and number two, I have the original Star Wars. I'm not going to mm-hmm. call it A New Hope, just Star That's Wars. Fine. Yep. Um, so, again, I, I mentioned earlier the first way I saw this movie was the specialized edition, the special editions. and it's still great uh, for me as a kid watching the special edition. Um, there's stuff in there that after watching the despecialized edition, uh, I wish wasn't in there. A lot of different CG, the Jabba showing up in the hangar. I still don't like Greedo, uh, Greedo, all the, Oh my gosh. All the different changes <laughs> that that scene has under <laughs> undergone. I know. Went through yeah. and everything. And, uh, but honestly for me, we mentioned how the first kind of have this movie is slow. Um, the minute that they're on, uh, all together dressed up as stormtroopers to the end is yes. just a thrill. Absolute thrill. Um, I really love the first half of it too. There's a mm-hmm. lot of iconic imagery and lines and stuff. Luke's kind of whiny, but actually really whiny, but it's whatever. Move yeah. past it. It's He's part of its charm at this point. Um, and you know, C-3PO and R2 are probably the best that they ever are. Although I like C-3PO and Empire a lot, but um, you know, those droids are iconic and they start the movie for us. Vader's entrance is iconic. There's a lot of awesome, awesome stuff in this movie, but it's not number one for me. So <laughs> I think that's so fair. I think all that's fair. It does start off kind of like a Western. I think it was mm-hmm. the Hidden Fortress that was yep. the Kurosawa movie that he yep. had based off. So the, you know, the desert scenes are, they look great. I think that it's actually, you know, when you're a kid, I remember the very first time watching it thinking, well, what's the big deal about this? You know, the first 30 minutes, because there's just kind of, you're waiting for action to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would agree that essentially, from when they get to Moss Eisley to the end, um, it, yeah. it, certainly when they get the stormtrooper outfits on, the rest of that movie is just, it's, it's perfection. The pace, yeah, everything. I think it's two hours on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's one of the shorter Star Wars movies. And uh, you don't, how would I say this? You don't feel its length. Like in other words, when it gets going, oh, it feels yeah. like it wraps up in a half hour. Mm-hmm. So it, it is one of those things, reading about the history and about how editing was just crucial for it. Yeah. How music and the sound effects were absolutely essential to it. And it's amazing how it looks great and yet it feels low budget in a good way. Mm-hmm. Back to this, this comparison I had of Return of the Jedi is your favorite band headlining at Lala and they're coked up and they're, yeah. they, they, aren't, they aren't the band he fell in love with six years ago, but they're still that band. But this one just has this sort of, um, chicken scratch quality to it, and it's it's charming, it's it's funny. It, you know, Luke might be whiny, but come on, Tashi Station for power converters, iconic. <laughs> yeah. And Harrison Ford's a star. Yes. You know, Harrison Ford and Alec Guinness add the weight that you need for it. And Moff Tarkin is—I uh, I can't call him an underrated villain, but you know, he's technically above Darth Vader in the chain mm-hmm. in this movie. So. Yeah. And let's be real. We talked about space battles. I love Return of the Jedi. It's still probably my favorite, but rewatching the trench scene, it looks so good. And it's so simple, and they only need like six X-Wings and a few TIE Fighters, 
and a model trench to see how they mm-hmm. shot that. It's incredible. So it, it holds up. It's, it's an all-time classic. And uh, I can go back. I could watch it once every few months, and I probably wouldn't yeah. get sick of it because it, it flies by. Yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. And it was my number one for a long time, actually. Uh, first few years, I was really into Star Wars. It was probably my favorite uh, to just watch and revisit. But my number one, and yours too, uh, overtake overtook that at some point in my life. I can't exactly nail down the the exact day that happened. Can't either. But, uh, I can't either. But Empire Strikes Back is both of our number ones, and for a lot of different reasons. We've talked about special editions a lot, and this is the one that suffers the least from that. I actually think the changes that George makes to this movie improve it, which is kind of a weird thing to say because when we think of special editions, we think of them getting worse. But the changes that George makes to Cloud City, I don't know if you've watch the original empire fairly subtle yeah they they have like the green screen backgrounds and the windows that make the city really feel like it's on a cloud like Mm -hmm. you feel it's kind of claustrophobic it adds a different vibe to cloud city and i really really enjoy it on the special edition and it's really cool um but there's a lot of empire strikes back that's amazing the yoda stuff is probably my favorite in the movie Mm -hmm. um I also obviously love the fight between Vader and Luke at the end. It's probably my favorite lightsaber battle in the saga. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and there's so much about it I love. I love my favorite suit, or I guess action figure, is Luke in the in the X-Wing pilot outfit uh, on Cloud City with the, with the lightsaber and the blaster. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Luke look. Um, it has my favorite Vader um, in all the saga. It has a lot of the things that... Um, I just truly adore about Star Wars all wrapped into this two hour runtime that is just brilliant. And a lot of the dialogue's better here than in A New Hope. And that's partially because we have a new director at the helm um, and who's able screenwriter to control with, uh, yeah, screenwriter Kasdan. Yeah. Right. Kasdan, yep. And Irvin Kirshner directing it. George Lucas just kind of overseeing it. And I think yeah. I'm one final time. I, I hope I don't run this in the ground, but back to the band comp. So let's take Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin one homemade they did like 40 Perfect. hours there's a new hope okay we're off to a good start that's a classic but it's kind of raw mm-hmm. uh, and then you look at return of the jedi and that's like 1977 the tour for presence and you yes. know they're, they're three and a half hour shows but <laughs> yeah. they're a mess but they're still zeppelin right yeah, yeah. so this is led zeppelin for 1971 yep. at their peak everything works um it, it's one of those movies you mentioned when I watched it, it was my least favorite of the original trilogy when I'm like 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. It felt slow in a way. And I, that's almost crazy to say now, but you think of the scenes with Han and Leia, you think of D- Dagobah and mm-hmm. the Yoda scenes, which have grown in stature for me over the years because you know, it takes its time. Uh, the pace, though, I think ultimately is perfect for it. There's a sense of dread throughout. Yes. And, and that is what I think is its best accomplishment is that I mean, <laughs> you genuinely feel, you know, you know the ending now because we've seen it multiple times, mm-hmm. but even when you're watching it, probably the first time you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get out of this. And to think that they actually had the gumption to end that movie mm-hmm. and people walk out of the theater knowing they won't see another one for three years on that downer of a note. Yeah, yeah it's really... It, I was I could just put in the VHS immediately after and say, well, are they yep. going to live? Are they going to die? Return of the Jedi. Here we go. They had to wait three years. And I'm thinking that's 
that's pretty cool that they did that. Uh, and I understand that's how trilogies work. The second one is the darkest and you need to set up the final conflict. But uh, overall, the acting's at its best. The dialogue's at its best. The action scenes are great. That is the best score that John Williams ever did. For sure. It is un- it's the first Empire Imperial March. And there's one in particular when the Millennium Falcon is going through the asteroid field and mm. weaving through. And I, yeah. I, it's called Something in the Clouds. It's John mm-hmm. Williams' like a minute cue. It's my favorite bit of music. He did the entire thing before they land in that lizard guy's yeah, yeah. mouth or whatever. So, you know, top to bottom, it's just, it's perfect. I mean, it, it is, we talk about like Godfather Part 2, a little bit better than Godfather Part 1. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope. That's like Godfather 1 and 2, and I would agree that Empire Strikes Back is denser, it's better, it, everything's clicking, and it's the one that I can go back to the most. Yeah, I think, when I think about Empire Strikes Back, it's one that in my middle school, high school years, on sick days from school, that's like I would watch Empire Strikes Back. It was basically my tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, just fallen in love with it over the years, and every time I rewatch it, whether it's in preparation for a new Star Wars movie or whatever, it's still, man, it's it's perfect like you said and and there's a lot a lot of things we could go on for hours about with the empire strikes back um the set designs everything from hoth to cloud city basically perfect lando's character basically perfect the the reveal that darth vader is in there waiting for them at dinner is awesome there's like so much so much so much that uh, is just all clicking on all cylinders here and uh, it's, it's just one of those movies man one of the one of the best ever made and, and how is it that they get to Cloud City, it's bright, well-lit, yes. and yet you know no, something's not right. And it starts yeah. off with, you know, uh, C-3PO walking in the wrong door. Isn't that right? He walks mm-hmm. in the wrong door. Eventually, Chewie finds him. It's the scene between Han and Leia as they're in the room. And she's like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And then Han, he probably realizes it too, but he's like, oh, why? Why? You know, I, I don't know how they did it. You know, it, it, the actors are so much more confident in this one. You do get the sense that they've went through a lot together already in the saga. And that, uh, you know, even when Han goes out to save Luke and he's, it's like, well, sir, uh, you, you might freeze it. There's like, then I'll see you in hell. It's such a, you know, kind of cliche one-liner, but it's Harrison Ford, it's Han Solo. I'm like, yeah, go get yeah, Luke. Yeah. So, um, man, it's just everything from, you know, thinking what it would have been like to see that 1980 mm. When you really only had Tatooine and the Death Star, and I guess yeah. Yavin to a smaller extent, mm-hmm. and then they open up on a, a snow planet, and then you got a, a, a cloud city, and then the space scenes with all the Star Destroyers chasing yep. the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it, it, it strikes the right chords, and I think it adds so much more emotional weight because if you're watching it back then, you're thinking Obi-Wan's gone, so who's, who's the mentor? Who's the, the guiding light here? And then you get it in this little Muppet, yeah. And it works. Frank Oz is Great. just so good as Yoda. And uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a reason this is considered the best because it's just so confidently done. And um, for as cute and charming as the first one is, this is polished, but not overly so. It yep. still really uh, resonates. All right. Top to, or we'll go bottom to top here to go over our combined list. Okay. So at 11, we've got Attack of the Clones, 10, Phantom Menace. At number nine, we have Solo, a Star Wars story. Then at number eight, we have Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay. Then we have Revenge of the Sith at seven, Rise of Skywalker at six, The Force Awakens at five, Return of the Jedi at four, The Last Jedi at three, Star Wars at two, and Empire at one. We land in a good place, you think? 
I think so. I, I think overall, you know, to reiterate what I said before, for me, I enjoyed all of them. I mean, solo, I'd have to see again, but I enjoy all of them minus yeah. episodes one and two. So it's, it wasn't some sort of like, ah, I really hated yeah, that one. I can't believe that's number six. You know, ultimately, these are fun movies. There's a reason they got the audience they do. And I think that we both agree that the sequel trilogy, I know there's more love for the prequels. There are some things that the prequels did made arguably even better than the sequel trilogy. The soundtracks are probably better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for people that like the, like the Rebels and the Clone Wars, that, mm -hmm. that universe, it ties more directly into that. As someone that's just trying to view it from the lens of how are these as movies, I, I think it's inarguable that the sequel trilogy is night and day better yeah. than the prequels. And I think that our list reflects that the best six movies in this whole thing are the sequel trilogy and then the original trilogy. Yep. I feel like we landed in a really good place. Obviously, we, we had some differences in, in the bottom half of our list, but I feel like we ended up in a pretty good spot. And I don't yeah. think we'll see a Star Wars movie for a while. I actually think Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie that he's writing and directing is the next one to come out in 2023. That's okay. I, I'm fine with the break. You know, Same. I did notice after Rise of Skywalker, there was no urge to... Uh, you know, await the next big Star Wars thing. I think they're doing a smart thing with, I mean, The Mandalorian yes. is such a great addition to it. I, I absolutely love that series. And I know that the anticipation is going to run high when I think the trailer comes out in three weeks and then we yep. got an October premiere. And I love that they release it once a week. So you, you have to wait. I think that's yeah. a, essential to it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where they go. And I think Jon Favreau is kind of taking the lead. No. It kind of feels like that. Him and Dave Filoni, who's done a lot of the animated stuff, who's now kind of coming into live action. He helps. He directed a couple episodes of Mandalorian and executive mm -hmm. producer on all of it. Is going to kind of oversee. They're going to kind of oversee and shadow this part of the universe. It feels like on the TV side of things um, with the Mandalorian and they're doing. Um, I th obviously, and the big news a few months ago was that Rosario Dawson was cast as Ahsoka Tano yeah. from the animated mm -hmm. stuff. So you got to imagine casting an actress that big to play that character means she's probably have her own show at some point. The Obi-Wan show is still happening. I hope um, so. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff to be excited about on the TV side of things. You know, the video games have been good too with fallen order was awesome experience to play. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going right outside, outside of the movies, which is really, really cool and really something to be excited about. So that's awesome. at the end of the day with all the, you know, backlash is a strong word. I think most people enjoy the sequel trilogy. And if yeah. you go on any re subreddit for you name the topic, you're going to get the most diehard people. And yeah. I think it's, it's okay to criticize them. I mean, there are things sure. to criticize in the sequel trilogy for sure. But at the end of the day, it brought back to life something that I never thought I would see. And it's a continuation of something that, you know, I, I can be as nostalgic as I want about the original trilogy, but you cannot beat the excitement of a new Star Wars movie yes, thing at sure. the theaters. And uh, at the end of the day, I think they hit it overall. I, I mean, yeah. and I, I feel like I know that I can be critical of something I really enjoy. So an example would be the last season of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to enjoy it, yep. and I just didn't. Yeah. With Star Wars, I didn't have to try. I mean, I, I went in and just said, all right, let's have some fun. And I had fun. And uh, I think that over, over time, it'll be cool to see how those movies are regarded. And I think that the critical reappraisal of the prequels is kind of fun to read about. How, yeah. I, listen, I'll, I'll hear anybody's argument as to why Phantom Menace is actually good. I won't agree with it, but yeah, yeah, a lot of them are well thought out. And I'm like, okay, well, if, if that scratches your itch, then that's cool too. 
Yep, for sure. Well, man, thanks so much for coming to talk about Star Wars. That was a lot of fun and that was. cathartic for me too. So um, when Mandalorian season two comes out or something else Star Wars related, uh, we'll have to talk again. But thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Zach. Anytime. And uh, yeah, any Star Wars conversation, I'm, I'm game whenever you're game. Yeah, and you can find Mike on Twitter. Where can people yeah. find you? At Fanboy Carp, and the podcast is at the 200 level, and that's more sports related. But um, which there's some good stuff going there that we can talk about at some point with all the oh, Illinois stuff. So. Absolutely, there's good news there for sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk movies because yeah. it's something that you know, an average sports fan could tune out of. But this is something that I, I love doing, and you're doing an awesome job with thanks, it. Man. And um, with this list, I, shoot that over to me because I, I got to send it to my friends and be yeah. like, all right, here's the aggregate list we came up with i think we did a very good job yeah we'll do for sure and uh yeah we'll see y'all next time you can follow the podcast over on twitter at cinnamon ticket pod and you can follow me on twitter at the zach leslie i talk about a lot of things a lot of sports going on right now a lot of movies i'm watching so uh go go over there and follow me on that so uh we'll see y'all next week